Welcome back to the Knock On Sports, and join me right now on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. Fresh from Indianapolis, it is the voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran. Riley, how you doing, man? I am doing great, Anthony. Trying to catch up on what day it is of the week. First off, that was funny when we chatted on the phone just a moment ago. Figuring out just kind of day, time, where I'm at, all of those things. No, but all things considered, it was an awesome trip to Indy, which we're going to get into, but... Uh, what, uh, what an experience uh, down there with a ton of basketball. Well, Riley, we have a lot to get to. And the one thing I want to definitely hit on with you with, it was going back to yesterday for just a second. I, I wonder if you saw Brewers, man, uh, Keeson Hira hit a homer off Walker Bueller, and the Brewers beat the Dodgers again uh, yesterday. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? You know, I did see that, and I really want to commend two teams, really. I want to commend the Brewers for getting the win in a meaningless game, but I also want to commend the Dodgers for honestly having a little bit of a heart and being like, you know, we're going to pound on pretty much everybody in the regular season, so let's not let's make sure in these spring training games we let teams like the Brewers get a win or two every now and then. So, yeah, I think both teams should be commended for that result yesterday. <laughs> well played, Riley. Well played. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got you good there. Oh yeah, you, well you didn't miss a beat. Like there was no ums ahs or anything. You you just you had it ready to rock and roll, and, and I wasn't expecting that. So well played, sir. Um, <laughs> besides spring training, uh, Riley, getting into March Madness, like you said, you were in Indianapolis. You got to check out the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. First off, let's just start here with the atmosphere of this place. Obviously, very very different because well, one, all the teams are there, but two, limited crowds. Now there were people that were able to attend, but overall, the atmosphere, the vibe. What was that like at the tournament? It was it was very mixed, Anthony. And I think for, for good perspective on this, if you've been to a tournament before, then you had something to compare it from, right? Fortunately for me with Grizzly basketball and as a fan in the last, you know, five years or so, I've been to pretty much every tournament. And so this was a great point to go, okay, what's it like compared to tournaments of the past? And the same buzz and the excitement was there in the city, right? And as you're walking the streets, you know the tournament's going on. It's got that feel where it obviously captivates the entire city. Everyone's talking about it. But then you walk into the arena, and you're just stunned because obviously the eyes of the nation and really the sports world are on the NCAA tournament and inside the arena that you're at. And yet, at some places, there were less than 1,000 people at a game. Like Villanova Winthrop, our final game of the night on day one, there was like 700 people in there, and you could literally listen to what Jay Wright, Hall of Fame coach, was saying in huddle. So as far as that unique perspective on what this tournament was like, is going to be some of my biggest takeaways. And then going to one of the cathedrals of college basketball in Hinkle Fieldhouse and literally having no lines to go anywhere and basically roaming around for a top matchup between Oklahoma State and Oregon State or USC and Kansas and just not having the people there. So I guess I would answer that twofold in the sense of when you're walking around and the buzz around the city, that felt normal, uh, which was great to see, obviously. But then once you got inside the arena, it was completely different because you're used to packed houses and everything in between. And again, sometimes you have less than 1,000 people there, though. So it was really unique from a lot of different angles. Well, let's talk about that cathedral, the Hinkle Fieldhouse, obviously on my bucket list to go visit at one point. Uh, So what's that like to go be in that arena? Um, Obviously, they they have made some changes, but still mostly intact uh, with the history that's gone through that building. What's it like being in there? It is special. It gives you goosebumps, really. If you appreciate 
sports and you appreciate um, just the history behind it. And especially if you've watched the movie Hoosiers, right? You're connected to Hinkle Fieldhouse. And ironically, Hoosiers came up on TV the day before I left. So it just really let it soak in much more. It's one of those places, Anthony, where you're sitting in it. You can feel the tradition, the history. Um, they've actually made some renovations over the years. But, it, but once you get inside the arena, it, it's an intimate venue. And I say that because it holds about 9,000 people, but there's not a bad seat in the entire place. And it's still rustic on the outside, Hinkle Fieldhouse and the old font in the script. But yet you get inside and it's just beautiful the way the game's played on that floor. The lighting's great. Um, again, you can just feel the tradition and the history the entire time. And then chain link fences um, around the ramp going up to the upper deck so it had that just historic feel around it and i love when you go to arenas like that and i really compare it to maybe like a fog allen field house at kansas too where yes modern technology and basketball is caught up a little bit to where we're at now but you can still feel the history inside there and another note on all this too that really covers the first two questions you've asked is just the fact of indiana and indianapolis how much they care about their basketball. And I think out here in Montana, really, if you're not in the Midwest, you wouldn't realize that, oh, yeah, of course, Indiana, they like basketball. But they, it truly is like religion down there and how much they embrace it. And just the fact that Hinkle Fieldhouse is really the capital of all of that, right? When you talk about history, tradition, Hinkle Fieldhouse kind of encapsulates that. So um, it was really great to see, and especially with uh, a lot of fans that love the game of basketball. How close in proximity were the three arenas where they were playing games? There's two that were downtown, and those were within five to ten minutes walking distance. And that was the, the Pacers Arena, Bankers Life Arena, to uh, Lucas Oil Stadium, which was interesting, of course, when you put a basketball court down in a football stadium. But they had little scooters around downtown that you could literally just rent and take from one to the other. Uh, so we went back and forth the very first day the first game got over in Colgate, Arkansas, and Baylor started against Hartford in about 12 minutes. And we grabbed two of those scooters and went straight down to the arena and still made tip-off. So that, I think, is the most unique part of all this, right? When the NCAA tournament gets announced in these first-round sites, you've got eight teams. Like, let's just say Spokane, because um, uh, that's obviously a site that's hosted the first round before. You're going to see four games on the first day and you don't have a choice of what team you're going to see or what game it's going to be. Well, here it was different. It was more of, okay, every arena has games going on throughout the course of the day. You get to pick the best ones, and it logistically it was super fun to figure out. Uh, and then the other arenas were about 15 minutes north of downtown. So uh, there were four arenas that were actually used um, mostly, the, the two downtown Pacers and the Colts, and then the two about 15 minutes north. Uh, being Hinkle Fieldhouse on Butler's campus, and then Indiana Farmers Coliseum, which is where IUPUI actually plays their home games, which is also on the, the fairgrounds um, there in Indiana. So the two arenas were really close to each other and about a 15-minute drive in between for all four to be connected. But it certainly was doable to hit up game to game uh, within about a half hour span. Right now we are with Riley Corker in voice of the Grizz as we're talking about his experience at the NCAA tournament. We'll break down more. We'll get his thoughts. Where was the best place he got food? We'll find out next. Think about where you were one year ago today. What were you planning for? Whether or not you planned for a new challenge, you got it. And most importantly, you succeeded. Cooking at home. 
learning at home, and banking at home. At Whitefish Credit Union, we understand you've been through a lot. And as you move through the year, just know we'll be right there at your side. This year, next year, and always. Whitefish Credit Union. Subject to membership eligibility. We're talking about the NCAA tournament as we get ready for the Sweet 16 later this weekend. Everything going down in Indianapolis. Voice of the Grizz, Riley Corcoran, joining us on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. He was there this past weekend with our good buddy Colton Nuanez. He'll be joining us on the show on Friday. Uh, Riley, let's again talk here. One of the questions I have for you is, where was the best place you ate? Because that's always, when you're going someplace to visit in an event like this, you got to try and find someplace that's just like maybe that, that hole in the wall that all the locals talk about. Did you find something like that and find some place with some really good food? Uh, we are on the same wavelength, Anthony. No doubt. I am absolutely a foodie when it comes to traveling. And number one, you have to find, it's twofold to me. Number one, you have to find the specialty cuisine, right? Whether it's barbecue or whether it's uh, Mexican food or anything, Italian, whatever it is. In the Midwest, it's barbecue. It is. So we went first off the very first night and went to Kilroy's, a place downtown and they just loaded you up. One of those deals where you can get pick two or three meats, and they just give you so much food and way more than you can eat. So that was great to start. There was good barbecue food all day, all weekend long between brisket, ribs, pulled pork, pulled chicken, as I'm making everybody hungry right now as your show's on normally during dinner time, of course, Anthony. Uh, but then also we found, and this is Coulter, hat tip to him, that he was just Googling restaurants close to indiana farmers coliseum and we stumble upon a five-star restaurant that the the winner won hell's kitchen the tv show and we got this five-star meal and we just sat right down they usually need reservations one of those perfect timing um situations and uh we got that done too so it, it was barbecue flair pretty much the entire weekend uh, a lot of protein anthony that's for <laughs> sure but uh the food scene was great and i can't emphasize enough the hospitality and the people of, of Indiana and Indianapolis, they embrace this like some uh, a city really should. The fact that this is going to be unprecedented, I use that word a lot, but, it, but it's very fitting. We're never going to have a situation where 67 NCAA tournament games are going to be played in the same location. And just from a logistics standpoint, uh, the friendliness side of things, the hospitality, Indianapolis did it right, and they certainly have my seal of approval among many others that we were chatting with throughout the weekend. Riley, let's talk some basketball here. What was the game that had you on your feet the most? Ooh, great, great call. Abilene Christian in Texas, uh, we were at that to see the 14C beat the three. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest game of basketball you're ever going to see, but the fact it was two in-state rivals against Big Bad Texas against a school in Abilene Christian that Really, it wasn't even Division One uh, within the last decade. And for them to beat it, that truly was Cinderella to me. And that was the biggest upset we saw. To watch Oregon State's run uh, over Tennessee and Oklahoma State, those games didn't really have us on the edge of our seats because Oregon State just straight dominated both of those games. That was fun to see. Um, we also were at the Creighton-UC Santa Barbara game, which was another one-point thriller. So when you see 14 games in four days, Anthony, you're bound for a couple of close ones. And we were able to uh, see a bunch of them. Arkansas Colgate, that one, the final result maybe wasn't that close, um, but that game was thrilling to start. And then, as I know you've talked about on your show as well, Eastern Washington gave Kansas a real run for their money. And that game was played at Indiana Farmers Coliseum, which is 
the, the smallest venue of the four. And so there were less than a thousand people for that. It had that kind of a feel of a high school state tournament game. And I only say that as far as you can hear all of the cheers back and forth and all of the momentum swings and the fact that it was on the biggest stage uh, to see Eastern Washington compete with Kansas for 35 minutes. That was fun to watch as well. So I know I didn't really answer your question. It was about four <laughs> or five games that stand out. If you had to make me pick, I'd probably say seeing the true Cinderella in Abilene Christian beat Texas by one point. That'd probably be the best game. Flip it on its head here. Who was the most impressive team that you saw that you thought, all right, this is a team that's probably going to be at least in the Final Four, if not the national title? I mean, Gonzaga passed every eye test possible. And I think that, that it gave me validity because we've watched Gonzaga being kind of close to Spokane, of course, and wondering the question, okay, is their competition going to catch up with them? Are they the real deal? They absolutely are. In all my years of watching college basketball, they're the best team that I've ever seen in person, the way they work together. And it just, it makes, they make it work so easily. So I would say Gonzaga stands out, was able to watch Michigan beat LSU. I'm not quite sure I, I'm bought in on Michigan yet, but a team, and I, I'm not saying that this squad's going to the Final Four, but Oregon State, I mean, the way that they dominated Tennessee and Oklahoma State, two teams that were in the top 10 for most of the year, and, and to win both of those games by double figures going away, they might have been the most impressive team I saw, maybe because it was a surprise, but uh, to me, it's Gonzaga versus the field at this point. They are, they're, they're head and shoulders, I think, above everybody else. Well, I was about to say, I was going to bring that up, is Oregon State, obviously, former Montana head coach, former Montana player, Wayne Tinkle leading the charge there. Uh, this is big for him because, obviously, the last couple of years, it's very tough. Obviously, Oregon State hasn't been a basketball power in the in before. Obviously, Gary Payton being there is the most notable alum to Oregon State. But seeing Wayne Tinkle have success as a former University of Montana uh, player and coach, uh, what was that like? It was so fun to see the raw emotion from Coach Tinkle and the way that he has rallied Oregon State behind him and this squad this year has been kind of inspiring, really. And you talk about coaching jobs and and being able to maximize your talent. I, I don't think anyone has done that better than Oregon State and Wayne Tinkle. I mean, the, the story's out there now. Of course, this team was picked last. They lose to Portland. And Portland was a squad that was bottom 30 in the country. So that's just a, a bad loss to start the year. And, and all of a sudden, this team is one of the best comeback stories you're going to find. And the, the, the observation that you have, Anthony, when you watch high-level basketball, is trying to you know differentiate, okay, why is this team so good? And the one takeaway was a squad that's connected, that they're on the same page, that they're selfless in the sense where they don't care who the leading scorer is. And one of the best compliments I could give Oregon State from my observation was I watched them for two games, dominate Tennessee and Oklahoma State, and I really couldn't tell you who their best three players were or who even their best player is because they played so well together and they didn't uh, change their entire game plan to get one guy shot. And it's just it's great to see, not to get too cynical, but it's just beautiful basketball, and it's the way that it's supposed to be played, and that's why Oregon State and really a lot of teams that are still remaining. Loyola Chicago comes to mind there as well. Arkansas. Arkansas is a team I didn't mention earlier that certainly caught my attention because they're selfless. They're connected. They, they make that extra pass. And that's what it's all about this time of year uh, if you're going to win games late. 
Riley, give me your thoughts because Wayne Tingle's got a tough one against Loyola Chicago, knocking off number one Illinois, and obviously a sweetheart to a lot of people in the country. I know a lot of people here in Montana obviously rooting for Tingle and Oregon State, but what do you think about this game? I uh, Sister Jean against Wayne Tinkle. I mean, that's pretty much the matchup, right, as we go into this. <laughs> Who would have thought that it'd be an 8 versus a 12? My heart is with Oregon State all the way, but my head is saying Loyola Chicago. I mean, how many times are we going to doubt this squad? Clearly, they have the formula for success. They know how to win, and they play that gritty, tough defense. And I think their coach, Porter Moser, is one of the best in, in the entire country. And the fact he's going to have a week to game plan I think Oregon State's going to hang with them toe-to-toe, but if you're you're twisting my arm and making me make a decision here, I'm probably going to go with the Ramblers to move on. My head says Loyola Chicago. My heart says Wayne Tinkle in Oregon State. Right now we are joined by Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz. Uh, Riley, I know you're back and you're getting caught up. Obviously, Grizz football going on right now. What can fans expect from you in the coming days? Boy, a lot of content coming out of Missoula now in Grizz football camp. We have a Grizzly Coaches show that we're going to do every Wednesday night on the Grizzly Radio Network, but more importantly, the archived edition will be available, gogrizz.com slash inside the den. So those will be coming out every Wednesday night, and then Thursday morning for the archived editions, we'll be doing a podcast each week, kind of going through position groups, what to watch out for um, as the Grizzlies really ramp up, and then of course a full radio broadcast, two-hour pregame show. They've announced the kick times are going to be at 11 a.m., um, those two Saturdays in April. So we're really gearing up for a, what is a four-week push here for Grizzly football. And, Anthony, I know that you're really dialed into the pulse around the rest of the country, too, with FCS football. And it seems to be crumbling a little bit or at least uncertain. It sure seems like that the Grizzlies have momentum kind of with what they've been doing and uh, a lot of excitement around these two games. So coaches, shows, podcast, game coverage, we've got it all for you. Make sure you all check it out. Again, Riley Corcoran joining us here on the Whitefish Credit Union Hotline. Riley, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it and look forward to chatting with you again soon. Right back at you,